Amen. Thank you for inspiring us and leading us. God is good. God is good and worthy. Amen. This morning, I would like to speak to you about a guy named Walter Brueggemann, who was a famous Old Testament scholar, still writing today. I want to speak about practicing our faith, and I want to speak about scripts that we live by, and I want to speak about the last shot that Michael Jordan ever took. Wait a second. That's what I spoke about on Mother's Day last year. Yes, yes, and many of you might know the great Mother's Day sermon fiasco of 2018. Uh, last year, I spoke about all those things and didn't, didn't quite meet the expectations of the congregation in some ways, and you were very kind about the ways that you let me know about this. And it all has got me thinking this year about how expectations work. Because the ways that our expectations work is often a really tricky science, if you will. We expect one thing, and we expect something very specific, and when it doesn't work out that exact way, well, that can sometimes put a strain on our life of faith or our relationship with God. And yet when I look at the story of Jesus and everything that Jesus said and Jesus did, it seemed like his entire career was filled with him never meeting the expectations of the Pharisees, or the chief priests, or even his disciples from time to time. So yeah, we need to talk about how expectations work. And we need to talk about mothers too, because it is Mother's Day, and that is a very important piece of the puzzle. But I've titled this sermon, Not What You Were Expecting. And we will be looking at John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. Please join me in a word of prayer. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. Grab those pew Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 10. Um, Or if you brought your own Bible with you, that's great too. Or feel free to pull it up on your phone. And I invite you to stand at this time, if that is your practice. We stand out of reverence for the word being read. We uh, believe that when we read the scripture in community, that Jesus walks among us in some sort of way that we can't fully understand. And so we rise to acknowledge the holiness of this moment. This is John chapter 10, starting at verse 22. At that time... The festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to Jesus, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. 
This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So Jesus is talking about sheep here. He mentions it briefly. You are not my sheep, but my sheep I hold in the palm of my hand, and no one will snatch them away. Earlier in this chapter, earlier in chapter 10, Jesus offers those famous lines about how he says, I am the good shepherd. And so all of this has got me thinking about how shepherds work. At that time, there were shepherds all over the place. That was a very common profession. But I've got to think that here in 2019 that none of us have ever actually met a shepherd, have we? I've got to think that in the city of Philadelphia, there are a grand total of zero shepherds. I don't think there's anyone with that profession in this city. And even in America in general, if there are any shepherds out there, it is a very, very, very small number. And so what Jesus was saying way back then was something that was very relatable. Oh, Jesus, you're like a shepherd and we're your sheep. That makes total sense. But to us here in Philadelphia in 2019, I don't know if the analogy works as well anymore. It kind of gets lost on us because we don't understand the subtle details of this relationship. Let me explain a couple of things about shepherds. The way that it would work is that the shepherds would lead the sheep around on the hillside. And what you don't realize is that sheep are really dumb. (laughs) And so they would get lost and they'd wander off and the shepherd's job was to bring them back into the fold. When you have all the sheep together, it works pretty well, but if one gets cut off from the pack or from the herd, I should say, then all of a sudden, they're off in their own land, and it's very hard to get them back. And this happens time and time again, and the shepherd with the big shepherd's crook is constantly trying to pull them back to the group. So when Jesus says that he's the good shepherd, he's calling us the sheep. And he's acknowledging that maybe we don't always make the best decisions, do we? Sometimes we separate ourselves from the pack and just go off on our own to do our own thing. And now this has all got me thinking about the ways that shepherds, while that might not be an analogy that we understand very well anymore, couldn't we say that our mothers did a lot of the same things that shepherds do? I don't know exactly what your relationship is with your mother or how that all works, but I know for me that I was pretty dumb as a kid from time to time. That I could wander off from the group and get into my own mess, even though my mother had tried to tell me better. And she was constantly in the business of bringing me back, setting me straight, explaining how this whole thing works. This funny thing called life. And so while the image of a good shepherd might not work for us that well anymore. I propose to you this morning that maybe what would be a better analogy is to say that oftentimes Jesus is like our mother. Oftentimes Jesus is trying to set us straight, to bring us back into the fold, to show us where we went wrong, and to explain how things are actually going to work. To teach us how to live. You see, what boils into this as well and can make it a little difficult and tricky is that in our life we often have expectations about how things are supposed to go. And that can be the source of what causes us to walk astray and get lost. We become just like wandering sheep when we have in our minds a very clear, narrow understanding of the way that it has to be. It happened in my household this morning. I got up with my two older kids and we were making breakfast for 
their mother. Breakfast in bed. This is a good idea. And I said, okay, kids, I'm going to deal with making the, the, the breakfast itself because they're not the best cooks yet. It's okay. I'm like, you make a card for mother. And so my oldest daughter had a very clear idea in her head about what this card was going to look like. And within five minutes, my younger son, Solomon, had not met her expectations. And you can bet that this kind of destroyed the whole breakfast in bed scenario. They were yelling at each other, and pretty soon my wife got up to make sure that everyone was safe. (laughs) Didn't quite work out the way that any of us had expected. But the real source of that, right, was just this initial conflict between what my daughter had pictured in her head about the card and what was actually playing out when she tried to do that with her brother. All case in point to show us that our expectations can often be what leads us astray. We get caught in one way of thinking and one idea, and that leads us wandering. This, friends, is actually what happens in that gospel lesson that I read to you this morning. If you still have your Bibles open, great. If not, I can read it to you now. But if we look carefully at verses 24 through 26... We see this exact situation playing out. It says to us in verse 24, The Jews gathered around Jesus and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. The Jews at that time had a very clear understanding of what the Messiah would look like. And they have an inkling. Jesus might be the Messiah that we've been waiting for. But you have to remember what they're expecting. What they're expecting from the Messiah is for the Messiah to come as some sort of great military leader to overthrow the Roman government. That's what they're waiting for. That's what they're expecting. And so they come to Jesus and they're like, hey, we think you might be the Messiah. And if you are, we really need you to get on with it. Because Rome is breathing down our neck and we really don't like living in this occupied land under their thumb all the time. So if you could go and overthrow the Romans, that'd be great. And Jesus, Jesus says, you just don't get it. You have these expectations about what a Messiah looks like. And I'm sorry I'm not meeting those expectations, but what you don't realize is all the ways I'm trying to teach you how to live right now. You see, the Jews had a very clear expectation of what Jesus would look like. And because they were so focused on that idea, they missed all of the blessings and all of the promises that Jesus was trying to give them. I want to tell you a story about a time when I was eight years old, when it wasn't necessarily my expectations, but it was my propensity to distraction, shall we say that caused me to wander from the fold. Wasn't anything big, but I remember. And actually, I remember this very clearly because I think it happened multiple times. But I had to go shopping with my mom in the grocery store, eight years old. And shopping at, when you're a kid, right? Can I get an amen, children? It's not the most fun thing you get to do, right? Oh my goodness, to the grocery store again, week after week. So I'm there, I'm trudging through the aisles, and. Somewhere along the way, the marketing people have gotten very smart. And they realize that mom and dad often take the kids to the grocery store. And if we just make the packages a little bit brighter, a little bit more eye-catching, they're going to buy more of that stuff now, aren't they? So that's what happened to me. Oh my gosh, the cereal aisle. The cereal aisle used to be grape nuts and cornflakes, and it was a picture of a bowl and a spoon. 
But somewhere along the way, you got Tony the Tiger and Toucan Sam and Count Chocula. Oh, and if that wasn't enough, then they started putting prizes in the boxes. And so there I am, eight years old, looking at all the cool stuff I could get in addition to the cereal. But, oh my goodness, there's a toy and a car and basketball cards, and we should get some of these. And I'm so focused on the cereal aisle that I then turn around and realize, Mom's gone. No idea where my mother had gone to. I had been distracted by the flashy cereal and the possible prizes I was going to acquire and totally lost sight of my mother. So then I go looking through the store, you know, calm at first. Mom, mom, you know, looking through the aisles, trying to find her nowhere in sight. And I start to think, you know, start to let my mind run away with itself, starting to get more and more scared. And then I have the thought like, well, if I'm lost here forever, at least there's lots of food, right? This wouldn't be so bad. But then I start to get emotional about it and I'm starting to cry. And then I turn a corner and there's my mother. And I rush to her and give her a big hug. And even at eight years old, I could tell she was just as scared as I was. That that coming back together that hug that we shared in whatever the dairy section of the grocery store, that it meant just as much to me as it meant to her. And that should be a powerful reminder to us too, is that it's actually the same way with Jesus. When we wander off and we feel cut off from the fold, when we feel like our life is falling apart in various and different ways and we just want to come back to center, we need to recognize that Jesus longs for us to come back home just as much, if not more. More than anything else, Jesus wants to welcome you back into the fold, to set you right again. Jesus wants nothing more than to embrace you and have you be a part of his flock, his sheep, once again. You see, when those Jews came and asked Jesus if he was the Messiah, I got to think that he was hurt. At that moment. Don't you get it? He would say. Don't you get what I'm trying to do? Stop focusing on Rome. Stop worrying about a military conquest. Stop trying. I'm trying to show you a better way. You are locked up inside with your worry. Jewish people. You're so concerned about that big present situation. That you're not worrying about your individual situation. You see. And that's the trick here. The real problem that we often face and the real problem that Jesus is addressing is what we need day to day as individuals to make it through. Each of us is a beloved sheep in his eyes. You personally are known by the creator of the universe and loved beyond measure. And yes, there are big sources of anxiety in the world. There are things to worry about that we need to work to make better. But you need to recognize is that Jesus is constantly concerned with each individual, one at a time. And so for the Jews, Jesus is realizing, if we defeat Rome, great. But then there's going to be another group coming along called the Persians, or the Saxons, or the Vandals, or the Assyrians. I got to do a little historical research. It's interesting. There's always going to be some big oppressive power in the world, unfortunately, at least until the day when Jesus sets each individual heart right. And we as a collective people change the world for the better. You see, Jesus wants us to follow him and his ways right now. And what happens is we often get distracted by our expectations 
and by bigger systems at play. I know I'm guilty of it too. I keep thinking that once the Mueller report comes out, then things are going to be okay. (laughs) You know I'm right. (laughs) How many times have we told ourselves that? Or that the 2020 elections, or that impeachment... We think that this big system is going to change everything. But we do it in other ways too. Right? Once I get that new job, oh, that's going to be fine. That's going to be fine. Oh, 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 once I get the raise. Right? Once, once we make it through this particular difficult season where my son is five and my daughter is seven and the baby's one, once we're through that, then it'll be okay. But you know what? I'll still bring my own messed up self to the situation. Even if... Even if 45 is not president and we get 46, I'm still going to be me. And I'm still going to have my own mess to deal with inside. And that's what Jesus cares about. Yes, Jesus cares deeply about the oppression and the ill treatment of people. But Jesus also knows that the way you change the world is by changing the hearts of individuals. So we got to stop thinking or expecting some sort of big change to take place and instead deal with ourselves right now. And as you think about it, isn't that what your mother always told you to do? Right? Isn't that what your mother always told you to do? Stop worrying about someone else and handle your own mess right now. Again and again, I got that message. Nate, you are not to worry about your sisters. Deal with yourself. I know this might not be exactly what we were expecting, but you know what? Jesus never gives us what we expect. Jesus always gives us what we need. Always what we need. And so we have to manage our distractions and manage our expectations and instead walk with Jesus, walk on the way of Jesus. Day after day, working to have our, char- our hearts transformed for the better. I'll tell you one last story, and then I'm going to sit down. And I tell you so many stories about camp, I know. So this one's not mine. That's where you're, that's where you're lucky. This is my friend Nick's story. Uh, he worked at the same camp I did, so it just as easily could have been my story. But one day, Nick brings his campers. He's got a cabin full of 10-year-old boys. And he brings them, and, and it's time for Bible study, so he has them sit under a big maple tree. And Nick says to them, what is God? Good Bible study, Nick. My goodness. So he asked the 10-year-olds this. And when you ask 10-year-olds, you're, there's no telling what sort of answer you're going to get. And that was kind of his point. He wanted to see what would happen. So he asked him this question, and he gets all sorts of responses, right? God is like a superhero. God is like the guy who's got all the answers. God is the oldest thing that ever was or ever will be. He's getting all sorts of great answers. And there's one little boy there, who who was very homesick that week, right? He was having a tough time being at sleepaway camp for the first moment. Very homesick. And he's thinking, though, really carefully about this question. And so after, after several moments and a whole bunch of answers from the rest of the cabin, this little boy speaks up and he says, God is the feeling I have when I come home from school and my mom gives me a big hug. Church, that's how it all works. That feeling of coming home again. We get distracted. We let our expectations take us astray. 
And Jesus wants nothing more than to bring us back into the fold. And when you come home again, back to the ways of Jesus, back to the loving embrace of God, there's nothing quite like it. That's where we're meant to be. That's where we're meant to live from, from that space of security and care and love. This is what we've been promised. This is what God desires more than anything else. So don't get distracted. Don't let your expectations take you into other issues that aren't as important. All that matters is that God is calling you home again and again and again to rest in God's embrace, to rest in that security and care and love that is for you. You. Amen.